I'm Kevin Boyd, and this is But Wait, There's More. It's a conversation show about things we're thinking about, things we care about, and things that are important to the life and the culture for the people of Legacy Church in Plano, Texas. Today, it's a conversation show about Second Peter. I'm here with Second Patrick. Peter. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Yes, sir. We've just finished a long series, a, well, long, seven-week series seven in, Second Peter, in Second Peter uh, in our church on Sunday mornings. And thought it'd be good just to get together and, and look over as we go back through what we've learned. Yeah. What did we learn? What are the observations and feelings? I thought it was pretty amazing what we did learn. I thought there was a great challenge to the church, um, not only back when Peter was writing to the churches, but I believe even now today, uh, what he wrote is definitely something we need to be mindful of every single day. And sometimes people can think that, you know, Maybe this word is not that relevant to me, but Second Peter definitely is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think about the context in which Second Peter was written. It's near the end of his life. We right. see that in chapter one. He knows that his death is imminent. <clears throat> He's probably in jail at this point. He is kind of giving some last words yeah. to the, the church scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And at this moment in time, in 66, 67, 68 A.D., mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the Roman Empire in an era where there's self-destruction within the empire. They've got political oh. problems and economic crisis and the great fire of Rome in 64 right. AD. Nero, who was the emperor, was behind the fire, but political cover-up. Right. <laughs> he blames it on the Christians, and so yeah. Christians are being persecuted. There's social upheaval. It's a diverse place, and so all of the different ethnicities are turning against each other. So. Yeah. Yes, that it, it's pretty relevant to right now. <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> but I, I would say like the persecution maybe that came with it to the church may look a little different Absolutely. than what I would say here in the United States today. Uh, tell me, like, whenever you're writing through the sermons and everything that you're going through in your mind, how did you utilize what was going on then to apply it for right now? Uh, especially keeping in mind that we're not going through that kind of persecution. Yeah, you, I mean, to your point. In our little part of the world, in our, our little day, uh, we're not dealing with the same kind of persecution. Their right. lives were in danger. Um, yeah. The church had dispersed it, it had scattered uh, for a reason, um, because their lives were in danger. In fact, Nero um, and the fire probably led to Peter's death, right. uh, being a, a part of a leader of the Christian church. So lives were in danger. People were... Uh, being, you know, from their families separated, from their their professions separated. Yeah, uh, it was scary for us. It's it's just more our viewpoint or our preferences yeah. in how life is run is is seemingly pushed to the side right. or maybe marginalized a little. Yeah, so it, not the same. Mm-hmm. And yet, you're talking about uh, a change that for us is uh, rapidly happening. That yeah. probably is three decades behind. Areas like California or, you know, the the Seattle or Portland or uh, even like Chicago, right. maybe for three decades have been more post-Christian. Go yeah. beyond that. Look at Canada. Go beyond that. Look at at Europe. Yeah, and you can see uh, the diminishing uh, impact or thumbprint of Christianity. And so, with that, uh, as you look at their struggles and our struggles, they're not the same. But the point is, we have we have struggles. And how do we manage those struggles? How do we face those struggles? Yeah. And they could face their life-threatening struggles in some ways, and we may face our own struggles in different ways. I think about Ephesians 
and how we have this reminder from Paul in Ephesians 6 about uh, the struggles we have not being simply human struggles, flesh and blood. Um, There's this call up, this reminder that there is something behind every tension, every... Uh, every injustice, yeah. every every bad day, every sickness. I mean, there's something underneath all of this. It's all a part of the fall. It's all a part of, of sin. Mm-hmm. It's all because there's an enemy of God who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy any good thing that God wants for his people. Yeah, And, and so there is this reminder, regardless of the context you find yourself in, that when we face troubles, yeah. while we may be tempted to turn aside or to lose hope, right. to lose direction, yeah. to lose faith, uh, that there is really a bigger thing going on. And the point of Second Peter, of course, is to say, and I remember in our first message, I was looking at a children's book, yeah, the, uh, that's right. going on a bear hunt. <laughs> yeah. And in that book, you know, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. Uh-oh, you, you got to go, go through, through it. it. Yeah. You know, and then whether it was the mud or the tall grass or whatever it was, you got to... And that's kind of Peter's point mm-hmm. uh, as he writes. He's writing to the Christians that he's written to in First Peter. Yeah. He says, look, things are bad. They're getting worse, and they're going to get worse still. And friends, you got to go through it. Yeah. And I think through that, you see, I like the word that you use, especially describing in Ephesians. There's a lot of reminders that Paul was giving to the church. And I believe in Peter, Second Peter here, he's reminding the churches about what to anticipate, even through the problematic situations that they have found themselves in. Um, as you stated in the first sermon, and then we get to uh, the false prophets and uh, false teachers, you see that there's uh, certain things going on in that, uh, that, that uh, time frame. Uh, could you touch on that a little bit? Like false teachers, what were they trying to do? What was Peter trying to wake the church up from? Yeah, and, and wake up is a good word. It's a, I think the theme that he he says by way of stir you up mm. to remembrance, and often is saying, essentially, I want you to remember the things that you should already know. Yeah, and the things that you should already know, maybe you're sleeping on those things, and yeah. it's time to wake up. It's he's writing to Christians. He's not writing to people who who don't know these things and introducing them to truth. He's waking them up to truth that they should already know and should be guiding their life. Right. He does spend a lot of time talking about false teachers and false prophets, and you see uh, the hints of that in First Peter, and as you get to Second Peter uh, chapter 2, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he is, he's, he's taken a tone, and yeah. the tone is, is not kind, it's not happy, <laughs> right. it's not generous, right? and it really doesn't need to be because the false prophets are these who are, uh, according to Peter, they're among us. Yeah. They're they present as as us. Mm-hmm. They say they are are God's people. They're on God's team. They're yeah. on on team Jesus. Yeah. And yet, there's something about their message that is eliminating or removing right. truth, even just skewing or twisting or distorting truth in some way mm. that is proving that they aren't truly yeah. Christians, and they're leading other people then. Yeah, uh, and this is something that Jesus promised. Jesus promised there would be false teachers. Yeah, um, he he said there would be uh, those that would come and turn others aside. Paul predicted this. He told the church this would happen. He met with church elders, yeah. and and I mean, in just a few short years in Galatians, uh, you see him calling the elders of of uh, Ephesus together, and he says, "Look, it's already happening. Right, it's already happening. There are those who are turning." 
uh, others aside. Yeah. And so Peter is addressing this as well. It's widespread. Those who present like true believers, but something's not right. And yeah. why is it not right? We don't know. Maybe they've held something back. Yeah. Maybe they have a hidden agenda that they haven't disclosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they weren't fully all the way in. And yeah. it's a, a pattern that isn't just new. Right. I mean, Judas Iscariot, ever heard of him? Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, he presented as one of the disciples. Mm-hmm. He did miracles along right. with the disciples. He preached the gospel along with the disciples. He was one of Jesus's 12 yeah. disciples that went with him wherever he was going for the three years of earthly ministry. And yet there was something going on. And we mm-hmm. know that he was, he was practically and literally uh, dealing with money in an, an, an unsavory way. Right. But even more so, he had something he was holding back from the Lord. And ultimately yeah. it was proven he was a, False disciple. Right. Um, and I mean, even look at the Pharisees, same picture. These right. who claim to be on, on the Lord's team, and yet they're denying Jesus. Yeah. And that's what we're looking at at Second Peter. But if we, if we put application to that, um, today uh, we can look at false teachers in many different facets. I think, they're, I think you utilize an illustration in one of the sermons stating that we can look online and we can look on social media and people could be... Um, you know, stating things of scripture, maybe out of its context, maybe with a different motivation. And people are, um, I, I think it was an illustration that maybe if you gain that word from that thing, you're kind of uh, liking it or reposting it, and you're still sharing m- maybe some false information. Uh, tell us some more about like, how can we see that today? How should we deal with false teachers or false teaching today? Yeah, you're making me think of an NBA story right now. There's a, a certain NBA player on the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> who at one point has said the world is flat, among other things. <laughs> and he recently yeah. uh, posted on social media uh, advocating or, or liking a, a book that was had anti-Semitic ideas in it. Mm-hmm. And when he was pushed against by the press, he said, I wasn't promoting that book. I just posted about it. Yeah. And he couldn't seem to put together that him posting uh, a like of this book is right. promoting the ideas behind the book. You, mm. you kind of see the 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 catch 22 there. Right. Using his platform to post a book is affirming yeah. in some way in some regard the ideas within the book. Yeah. And that I mean that's kind of the the idea there's so many uh, voices vying for our affection and our attention, and so many of them laced with either a hint of truth or yeah. a little more truth than a, a hint of error. Yeah, <laughs> and and we have to be very careful at what we're taking in because it's possible that we are affirming some things that are untrue, True. that are yeah. twisted up with truths. Right. That's the that's the key to victory for a false teacher, and really truly for Satan. Yeah, is to weave together a little bit of truth and mm-hmm. a little bit of error in such a way that it progressively and slowly begins to move people away from truth. Right. And let's just say somebody is not mature in their faith and they read a little scripture and they share their script, the scripture that they read. Uh, maybe, maybe they do post it somewhere, but maybe it's out of its context. Uh, maybe the motivation wasn't to mislead people, but it's, out of immaturity, would we classify that as a false teacher or is that immaturity? I think there's a difference between a mistake mm-hmm. 
and or, or lazy <laughs> Bible study, right? Uh, and uh, really and, and truly um, twisting up the truth in a way that it is uh, in a knowing way. Uh, I do think that, according to Peter in in Second Peter two, that sometimes we begin moving away from truth, uh, in an beginning in an unknowing way. Right. The question is, what are we going to do when we're faced with the truth mm-hmm. and with accountability to the truth? That's good. And you know, one that happens in relationships with us, but Peter's big emphasis here for Christians. I mean. Really, chapter 1, verse 3 is the key verse to the, understand the whole book. Yeah. It says, seeing that his divine power, Jesus' divine power, has granted to us mm. everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the, and this is huge, the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I mean, simply in that one verse, and if you, you read all throughout the, the book, the idea of a true knowledge that isn't simply a head knowledge, but it's a, a deepening real relational knowledge of yeah. the Lord through Jesus Christ um, is something that should always be shaping our worldview, shaping our mind, shaping our understanding of what's true, and then by that shaping our life. Right. So if I'm in relationship with the Lord, as Peter says, that I can and should be as a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, then that lazy interpretation yeah. should uh, begin to be corrected even by the Lord. Yeah, that's true. And basically how we should receive that correction kind of helps us understand what uh, a genuine spirit is versus somebody who's like, nah, I'm not going to receive that from you or something. Absolutely. I mean, you think about uh, correction, what it requires from us is it requires being teachable and being humble, which are yeah. two of, I, I think, just teachable, humble, and self-awareness, three of the most valuable things we can learn as we grow up, as we mature, that we can learn to truly value in our lives. Yeah. And yet, uh, for those who are enamored by and wrapped up in and led by false teaching, you find that those are the three things that are most missing. Yeah. Uh, being teachable, being humble, and being self-aware. Those things seem to die with the person who is wrapped up in false teaching. And there's yeah. Probably we've seen it. We've seen the horror stories. Yes, we have. And there's probably there's probably something to that. Yeah, and then uh, even Peter uh, in in the second letter to the the churches basically brings up this talking point, which happens to be one of the most um, talked about things in scriptures or in the Bible, especially with everyday people, because there's always this question of when the Lord is coming back. How is He going to come back? What is it going to look like? When he does come back, we just kind of get into these conversations. But Peter, uh, he he kind of brings this up to the the churches, kind of reminding them. And I, I really believe, like, whenever you were teaching about two weeks ago uh, about the coming of the Lord, when he just kind of brings up the subject matter, um, basically you started this uh, this perspective of re- reminder. He's reminding the church. Uh, of certain things, but we did focus on verses eight and nine, especially in Second uh, Peter chapter three. Uh, can you touch on that for just a moment there? Yeah, you know, Peter. One of the things I picked up along the way on this study that I maybe hadn't appreciated before in the same way mm-hmm. is how much of what Peter says 
is just a complete ripoff of what Jesus had said to him. Yeah. And I love that because that's something that, that we say often here. We're not that smart. We just steal all of our best stuff from the Bible. Right. Uh, and, and Peter is, has done the exact same thing. And, and for example, uh, when he talks about uh, the return of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, he's ripping off what Jesus said in Matthew 24. What does Peter say in, in chapter 3? Well, uh, He talks about it coming like a thief in the night. He yeah. says there will be scoffers who won't believe it, who will, our definition was mockers or scoffers take lightly what should be taken seriously, that there will be scoffers. He yeah. references Noah. Right. And you go back to, to Matthew 24 and and. Jesus says, uh, those days will be just like the days of Noah. And Jesus spoke at, you know, at large about that in chapter yeah. 24 and 25 and 26 of, of Matthew and how it would be such a surprise to so many, right. even though they knew it, was, it would eventually come. And probably what's happened is uh, the argument of the scoffers or the mockers is that, well, he hasn't come back yet, so he's not coming back. Right. And that so kind of... think he's slow. Yes. That kind of rhetoric I mean, just lulls us mm-hmm. to, to sleep. Yeah. Again, wake up is his theme here. And Peter's argument against them is that he's not slow about his promise and coming, as some count slowness, but he's patient Towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come. And the the verse before that, verse eight, he gives kind of a picture of time. Yeah. It's a thousand years is like a, a day, and days like a thousand years. And right. I love the the mathematicians who have gone in and and tried <laughs> to to determine then exactly how many you days, know, how yeah. many days, and and. Does that mean creation? If it was seven days, was that seven thousand? Right. What what is that like? And I, I think in in no way is that meant to be a literal number, but a figurative number that paints a picture of the uh, quality and character of God right. uh, being eternal, mm-hmm. uh, being very eternal, <laughs> being very old. Yeah, put it in our terms. He lives outside of time. You think about creation when the sun and the moon is created. Time is created yeah. on, on earth, but God has lived outside of that. He doesn't forget. He's never bored. He sees all of history at a glance. He just doesn't experience time in the same way that we do. And the illustration that we made of this is when we're children mm-hmm. and you're told we'll leave in five minutes, yeah. that seems like forever. Right. If you're told you know, Christmas is a month away, yeah. That seems like a really long time. Yeah. The day after Christmas, and my my younger kids are like, you know, is it still Christmas? No, it's three hundred and sixty four days away from now. Yeah. That's forever, right? <laughs> but as we get older, yeah, one of the things that happens is we begin to look at time differently. Yeah, and and it seems like you know, life just is passing us by. And you speak to someone who's in their their seventies, eighties, or nineties, and they're going you know, to a person. Yeah. Life just happened really quickly. Yeah. And I, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. Now take that and, and understand a God who is eternal, right. the way he views time. And, and likely the reason we have that experience as we age is just it's evidence that we are created in, in the image of God. Right. That we begin to have this different kind of experience with time. Yeah. And so it's not that God has waited so long it really what seems to be a long time isn't that long we just don't see the whole of it because we're not that old yeah yeah 
Uh, Warren Wearsby, I don't don't know if we mentioned this, but in his commentary, he talked about how in God's sight the whole universe is only a few days old. God's Mm -hmm. never in a hurry. He's never he's never late. late. Mm -hmm. And and you consider if God is looking down on this earth thing that He's made, in in God's perspective, I mean, for us thousands of years, I mean, but God's perspective, I mean, I made the world. Yeah couple weeks ago right jesus came 10 days ago and he died eight days ago resurrected seven days ago and he's coming back tomorrow yeah and what is that to god right but the good news of of second peter 3 9 is god's patience yeah that he's delaying the return that more would come or make room Mm. for repentance to turn to him yeah, and and making repentance happen like uh, obviously it's the work of the Holy Spirit where repentance does happen. But the challenge then, I guess, is for us as a church to be mindful of that time. And uh, what would you say for us today, especially here at Legacy Church? How should we truly put focus on that thought, uh, God's patience? Well, we're nearer to the Lord's return mm-hmm. than the first century Christians to whom this epistle was written. Yeah. Uh, yeah and you know, there seems to be a shift in my own mind and heart. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's coming with age. Yeah. Maybe it's coming with watching conditions around us and in, in the world. Um, and maybe with more open eyes. Yeah. Maybe my eyes are more opened and awake. Yeah. to the harsh realities. And again, maybe that comes with, with age, but this shift has happened in my mind and heart over the last you know, five to 10 years where uh, when I was in my 20s or, or in my early 30s, yeah. you said, Kevin, are you ready for Jesus to return? And I'd give you the church answer and say, yeah. But on the inside, something to me was going, but I, I've got some more things I want to experience first. Yeah. You know, come Lord Jesus, come soon but not too soon (laughs) that that shift has happened yeah to where there's an earnest desire for him to come and come quickly right and maybe that's a part of of peter's goal in second peter yeah is to reassure to remind the church that the days we have here Mm -hmm. neither are they the longest days nor are they the best days for the christian yeah that jesus is coming again and the promise of Scripture, the promise of Jesus himself, right. is that our longest days and our best days come after his return. Right. And so it seems that, that Peter is helping the Christians to find their place, their, their proper perspective right. in the midst of these days, that these days are the dark days, these days are the hard days yeah. in comparison to the days that, that will come. Yeah. And so make sure you're aware Mm-hmm. that's the days that we're in now yep. and don't forget the days that are coming. And I like what uh, Peter does say in verse 14, therefore beloved, since you are waiting for these, uh, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And you know, um, whenever uh, I looked at this particular text, it was just one of those things that jumped out at me because obviously when you're describing the cosmos will be melting, kind of utilizing that language. Um, things around us will be on fire. Things will be uh, melting away. He utilizes the language in uh, Isaiah and even Malachi, and he he kind of just adopts that language to share with them that things are going to change when that day happens, right? 
And the thing that he utilizes, he's coming back for something that looks like him, obviously, something that uh, God is pleased with. But then he says this other thing, to be at peace. And I think the thing that being at peace, sometimes when we talk about end times type of situations, people are not at peace. And uh, I think kind of looking at this, he's just sharing with everybody because you're on his uh, on the right side of things or because you are honoring God in the way that you walk and he will pick you up. He will bring you with him. You should be at peace with that and not distracted with the chaos that will be happening. Yeah. And that it's interesting. You bring up the, I mean, it's plain spoken language. Peter uses here. It's yeah. blunt. Yes. Um, let's be as blunt as Peter. The world we're fixed on right now. Yeah. Fixated on. Yes. Is going to burn. Yes. Uh, second Peter three ten. but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. The world that we're fixated on, mm-hmm. that we can't seem to see past, will be burnt up. Yes. And it makes you wonder if we've trusted these days too much. Yeah. If we've trusted this world too much and what it offers. Mm. If we've loved it too much. Right. Um, it feels like from the day we're born, we want to make mm-hmm. and to build and to accumulate in this world. Yeah. And maybe it's in order to prove ourselves to be someone significant or mm-hmm. to feel as though we've experienced something yeah. of significance or we have things of significance, but the world we're fixated on yeah. is going to burn. Yeah. And then he contrasts that. He said, but Christian, you are in verse 13 of chapter 3. He says, you're looking for, and that word means expecting. Yeah. You're, according to his promise, you're looking for new heavens mm-hmm. and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yeah. Everything is, is right. And since we're expecting this, yeah. essentially we should live in light of this. Yeah. The world we're living in is going to burn. Mm-hmm. Have we loved it too much and have we loved enough the thing that we're expecting? Yeah. And that's where you're in your verse 14, he says, therefore, I mean, therefore. if you're, if you're getting that much, yeah. since you look for these things, right. you know, be diligent to be found by him uh, in light of those things. Yes. And I think that's a, such a powerful thought for today. And he even, even says delight in the fact that you have this patient hour uh, or this time of salvation. Um, basically, uh, for us, we utilize that as a challenge to us to maybe this is our moment to share our faith, to share the testimony of what Jesus Christ did on the, the cross for all of us. Uh, all of mankind. Uh, It is our opportunity to share the good news as we know it. And maybe whatever the work the Holy Spirit does, he will, you know, grant, um, you know, just waken people's minds to the the light of salvation. And in, in that sense, I guess there's this call to be a witness or evangelist or something of the sort. What what would you say about that? Well, you flip the, the page. I mean, obviously, the Bible in its layout was chosen at a different time. Yeah. But in your Bible, as it's laid out, if you flip the page just one to First John, uh, we get to First John 1, 7, and the theme is here walking in the light. It says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, as Jesus is in the light, yeah. we have fellowship with one another. Mm-hmm. Blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. And and you go, okay, that's, that's what Peter's been talking about. Now yeah. we, we've got John laying it down as well. Yeah. 
you have been exposed to the truth. You know the truth. Yeah. Second uh, Peter's language, the true knowledge, over and over again, the true knowledge. Yes. So walk in it. Yeah. If you have true knowledge because of a real relationship with the Lord, so walk in it. Yeah. Don't be deceived. Don't fall asleep. Don't be turned aside. Don't become afraid. Don't lose your mind and lose your head and lose your way. So walk in it. Yeah. And the question for me because I live with my feet on the ground is, well, how do I do that? Because that that's actually really difficult sometimes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And the good news is that's what Peter wrote about. Yeah. When he opened this letter. Uh, first, he says, it's about what you receive. Mm. You received your faith. You didn't come up with it. Yeah. You received his righteousness. Yeah. You didn't come up with that. Second Corinthians 5 says that as well. He says, you received everything you need for life yeah. and for godliness. In other words, to walk in light of the truth. Yeah. You've received it all. You've received it. It's not something that you do in your strength because you're smart. No, what did you receive? You received a new leader. Yeah, a new that's Lord. Good. His name is Jesus. He guides yeah. you in walking in the light. You received a new mind. Mm-hmm. You can see and perceive and respond in new ways because the Holy Spirit is working. You're now seeing with spiritual eyes. You received a new power. Yeah, You're not strong enough to walk in the light, but he is. Yeah, and So depend on him. You, you received a new nature. In fact, That's Peter's good. word was you're a partaker in the yeah. divine nature. You're a participant. Yeah. And so walk in the light empowered by by the Spirit. And mm-hmm. he just says, you've received all this. Now apply it with all diligence. Yes. And he had that laundry list of, of items. He says, essentially, exercise mm-hmm. your faith. Work out your faith. Like yeah. Philippians, work it out with fear and trembling. It's mm-hmm. Go to the gym and exercise the muscle of salvation. Exercise yes. the muscle of faith, yeah. which produces moral excellence, and that leads to deeper knowledge. Yeah. And, and you're going deeper with the Lord, and you're understanding more, and that produces in you a self-control. Yeah. Now you're beginning to walk in the light, which helps us to have perseverance when we've got false teachers and persecution and all kinds of things, and that produces in us Christ-likeness or godliness, yeah. and that expresses itself and. Brotherly kindness, and all yeah. of this is because of love. Yeah. Because his love is being born in our hearts. And I love how verse 8 uh, of chapter 1 says that all of those things mm-hmm. are yours and increasing if you are walking in him, that's which good. makes you useful and, fru- and, and fruitful. Yeah. And that's probably the fear a lot of us have is that we, we're not, our lives are not significant. Mm. He says, exercise your faith. These things are yours and increasing, and that makes you useful right. and fruitful and the true knowledge of Jesus. Yeah, that's that's really good. So let's just say big picture. Okay, so through everything that you studied, through everything that you we've now found out about Second Peter through this past series, um, obviously there is an objective that Peter had when he wrote the letters, right? For us here in Plano, Texas, here at Legacy Church, with that overall picture that Peter was trying to send to the churches, how would you apply that overall message to us here today? So we started the series with three big ideas, mm-hmm. and I'll come back to close it with this. Uh, Peter has written from a very high view that in Christ we have everything that we need to face life as it is. Mm. We're not lacking anything to face life. Whatever troubles come your way, things that we would not imagine that will happen a year from now or five years from now, new troubles that we'll encounter, We've already been supplied with everything that we need to face it in Christ. Yeah. As Christians, we're to remember that we're not called out of this world. You can't go over it, can't go under it. You got to go through yeah. it. We're called into this world. Yeah. 
and not without purpose, but on mission. Mm-hmm. And and Peter has put a lot of effort into uh, calling our attention to having a, a right view mm-hmm. of the past, of the present, and of the future, and having a right view of what the Lord has said, has done, believing what he's doing, and entrusting his promises for what's ahead should shape our view of how we, we live now. Yeah, There's a, a, a British missionary named C.T. Studd, which one of the coolest names anyone yes, could ever stud. have. What a stud. <laughs> He's a British missionary uh, who worked with Hudson Taylor in China, mm-hmm. worked in India, he worked in Africa, he was in the Congo. And there's a, uh, a little line you've probably heard pastors have used for years and years. I want to just read just a snippet of, of the poem yeah. it came from. He, he's the one who said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm-hmm. Here's his poem. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon its fleeting hours will be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Mm. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfless aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And he goes on. It's a very long poem, but it's this this constant reminder that every moment and every day that we're in now, we have opportunity. Yeah. The opportunity to live already as citizens of heaven, already tasting and experiencing what um, what Christ's righteousness has bought us, already experiencing freedom from the shackles of sin, already experiencing uh, you know, Peter wrote, wrote about escaping temptation, already yeah. experiencing that. He thought, wrote about peace, already tasting and living in that. He talked about true knowledge of God already. Yeah. We can live in light of those things and do so, not aimlessly, but do so with purpose, that we would live lives that matter, mm-hmm. that would help people to see yeah. a true picture of the Lord and to know the Lord amidst all of the voices that twist and distort the truth, mm-hmm. that we would be not just people who don't get sucked into it, but right. people who, who refuse to even entertain it right? because we're so enamored with the Lord that That's we good. know. Yeah. And so I, I would encourage our church uh, to remember the time that we're in. Yeah. In light of the past, in light of the future, it makes these days short days, mm. not the brightest of days. Yeah. Not the longest of days, but vital days in the story of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Days in which we can live in light of that salvation, and we can, with every waking hour, help people around us make room for repentance. Amen. Amen. Well, I I think that um, whenever we talk about the second coming, whenever we talk about second Peter, um, honestly, it is, to me... uh, a book, a letter that says, wake up, wake up, be aware and be mindful of your walk with the Lord. I like how you phrased every, every statement. I love the series that we just had. And if you have a moment, uh, maybe you haven't taken time to watch the series, go back and watch uh, the second Peter series. Cause I know it's going to bless you. And I know it's going to assist you as you walk through your life. Okay. 
All right. Well, this has been uh, another episode of But Wait, There's More. This was fun. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. And I hope our friends will follow us. And uh, what's coming up next as we enter into this holiday season.